Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. Hello everyone, this is Brian Courtney with Short Bus Debate Club. And as always, my co-host Darren Jolly is here with me. Hi. We are going to talk about indictments some more. Um, this time in, you know, media and entertainment to go along with the semi-standard format. Um, semi-standard. <laughs> well, because... I don't know if we can say we've standardized on that format yet because we've only been doing it for a few months. But it is mostly standard. Um, Anyway, the movies where presidents were indicted were not the easiest movies to find, view, or remember. Um, you did a better job than I did with regards to this one. You found some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to have some shit to talk about, and I thought of some more today because um, I figured the four that I had come up with were probably not nearly enough. So, um, again, I never know how to you know, put these things together or what to start with. You know, so I'll I'll just kick it over to you, and and you can start talking if you want. No, no, no. You you have some good semi standard options for this one, dude. You know what though? Now you just reminded me of something. So this doesn't have shit to do with the indictment. I just wanted to clarify something for everyone. So a few episodes ago, we were talking about countries in Africa um, mutilating female genitalia. Um, There are four different categories according to the World Health Organization where female genitals are mutilated. Um, 200 million girls women have already been affected by this and i think it's like three million per year but yes they do the removal of the clitoris um they do sew them closed which is what i i i was wrong on i didn't believe that but oh my god there's some piercing some cauterizing and some other nasty shit that they do so and and none of this is based on religion or or anything else it's just a way for men to take away some of women's power as far as i'm concerned well, that's all it is anytime you use the word cauterize in the context of uh yeah genital dude. mutilation you need to get a hold of some of those guys and what what did uh what did marcellus wallace say we're gonna take you down to the boys and uh, get a pair of blowtorch or get a blowtorch and a pair of pliers and put them to work. <laughs> yeah. Think that, think that, 
So my darkness, which comes out occasionally in this show, it's only for spaces of justice where you really don't have any way of negotiating it. So I, I, I think, uh, and I, I was totally wrong with regards to the way that I had originally responded to you. And that's a, I mean, that's a tough read when you, when you read the uh, the stuff that was in that section on the World Health Organization's yeah, it, website. It, it was not any fun at all. And just also to clarify, is it's not just in Africa. Not that either Darren or I said that, but it's. Uh, 30 countries throughout Africa, the Middle East, and Asia that are practicing this activity, if you want to call it an activity. Um, So just a a heads up, you know, so next time we're fucking going to war with somebody, make sure that you realize we're not doing it to protect the women or or free them from bondage all right now on that fucking happy note <laughs> if you weren't feeling good before that and it, i think it'd be good to, just to the the fourth the fourth uh, indictment came out it's in, out of georgia there are somewhere near, nearly 20 people that are indicted in it it was 84 pages long i haven't read it yet um yeah so the indictments carry on Okay, um, yeah, and we'll we'll keep you posted on what happens or doesn't happen, which is kind of where I'm leaning. Which which probably you won't need us to do because it's all over every fucking media outlet on the fucking planet right now. Indeed, it is everywhere. Um, okay, so I don't know. I guess I'll start with. One, because I kind of mentioned Reagan when we were talking about the Cheeto in in the last one. And, you know, when we were talking about the Iran-Contra affair, um, I said, you know, now people are saying that Reagan knew. And I know I've seen it somewhere else, but... HBO did a, whatever the fuck they call it, a limited series um, called The Invisible Pilot. And it was about one of those pilots that they hired to move coke. And he said in the show that Ronald Reagan knew about it. So obviously it's too late to indict Reagan. But, uh, you know, if if he's selling coke and, and guns or he's selling coke to buy guns to help the military-industrial complex, regardless of the reasoning, you know, national security was probably one of the ways that they listed it. Uh, regional stability might be another way to, to justify it. But, you know, he's doing shit that other people would spend, you know, 25 years in in prison for. And he gets a a pass because he had plausible deniability or he was the president or he had plausible deniability because he was the president. Um, but I mean, Ollie North didn't even spend time in jail and they knew he was fucking involved. So 
it's all a bunch of horse shit. However, that show, The Invisible Pilot, solid fucking show. HBO put it out. I think you guys probably know by now that I am a huge fan of HBO. Um, what is, and a, I'm not a, what even, is HBO? HBO doesn't even exist anymore. I'm not even a coastal elite, and I like <laughs> HBO. It doesn't even exist anymore, though, dude. Well, it does. It's just not that streaming channel. They changed it from HBO Max to Max, which is horseshit. Um, but whatever. So I, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on that. I just wanted to give you one of or the media uh, show that I could think of where they mentioned Reagan by name. Um, since I was talking about it in the last episode and said, they even talk about Reagan being guilty. Uh, so I figure now you guys can go watch it and, you know, gauge for yourself whether or not he actually knew. Um, here's another one. I don't, did you ever see Primary Colors? You never watched it. Did I, you? I didn't. It, it came out during the... I mean, it came out even during the Clinton years. I mean, it was while he was still in office, right? It was right after the whole scandal with Lewinsky and, and Jennifer Flowers and all of that. But And when you and I were talking about it the other night, I said, you know, they loosely based the character off of Clinton. And I don't think that that's a fair assessment i think probably what i should have said was they modeled john travolta's character after a clinton-esque person um you know john travolta had a southern draw in the movie um he they never specifically spoke about an indictment however he had knocked up like a 16-year-old girl. It was like the the daughter of the people that had known the family since he had been the governor of, I think it was Arkansas. So again, modeled after a Clinton-esque. But either way, it was somewhere in the South. This family ran a barbecue stand, barbecue shack, whatever you want to call it. And he had knocked up the daughter because he was fucking around on his wife. Uh, Kathy Bates played a fixer, and she flipped her shit because she had believed so wholeheartedly in this this man, you know, everything that he stood for. And... She said, you know, I've been fixing your shit for years and years and years, and now you're talking about possibly slinging mud and, and doing all of this stuff that goes against everything that you stand for. And you knocked up this little girl. So she ended up quitting the campaign, and I think she killed herself, if I remember correctly. She was, she was nominated uh, for an Academy Award for that role, actually. It was, a, it was a great movie. I mean, and he was he was a, a man 
of the people. And I'm not saying that Clinton is or was, but this character in the movie was. Like, he went and ended up, I think, at... Uh, what's that fucked up donut stand where, like, when they came to... When they opened a location in Denver, there was, like, a fucking line. Krispy Kreme? Yeah. Okay, so shitty Krispy Kreme donuts... He went to a Krispy Kreme at like 2 in the morning, and he just sat there talking to the guy, you know, about his problems and and everything else because I think he genuinely cared about the people, or at least that person. Uh, So, you know, it was was a pretty good movie. Um, I I think you're off. I think it was because he genuinely cared about Krispy Kreme. I think that that was a large part of it. Um, But he also, you know, couldn't sleep because of all of the pressure, probably from knocking up a little girl. Oh, so you're saying that maybe he liked creamy crisps better. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, again, indictments were never spoken of, but I'm guessing... Again, with these guys, you know, unless they've got a bunch of girls chained up in the basement, they're probably not going to be prosecuted. Uh, I think even if they would have found out, like, he may not have been elected president, but I don't think that they would have sent him to jail for statutory rape or anything like that. But you're making a point about... The, so, like, the film itself, it's it's trying to paint a current political picture, but it's also sort of like trying to illuminate that there are people that get invested in political acts and political actors in good faith, and they have sort of like an emotional, and it's like that sort of like nostalgic attachment to democracy or the history of the United States, that kind of stupid shit from, uh, what's the Nicolas Cage movie? National, National Treasure, you know? And that was what... Kathy Bates' character embodied. So, I mean, is that that's that some of what the movie was about, or I mean, because she was it clearly looks like she was a central character. She was, and if you so, but she killed herself, but he ended up just getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier, or it looked like. I don't that. know that he kept getting dirtier and dirtier, but like Billy Bob Thornton was trying to convince him to, you know, do the the sling and mud thing, and um. Was Billy Bob flirting like Jim Carvel or something like that? Or there's not literal connect- connectors. It's just right. just Clinton himself. There's there's a comment that I read in one of the uh, reviews of it that said uh, that they believe John Travolta did the best Clinton impression that they'd ever seen. Which and they didn't even say that it's not because I mean, he's not even in the his the name of uh, his character is uh, one two three four. Uh, governor Jack Strat- Stratton, like you said, it's the governor at that point. So it's they're trying to to draw some parallels without making the, put like putting themselves in a position where they're going to get sued for libel or something like that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what anybody's motivation was behind the thing, but he, you definitely, when you're watching it, think that that could be Bill Clinton. Um, and the wife, I can't even remember who played the wife. She definitely could have been Hillary. You want to hear something funny that I just read a little piece of trivia. Then president Bill Clinton enjoyed this movie so much that he invited John Travolta to a party on one condition. 
He must come as jo- Governor Jack St- uh, Stanton. Travolta d- did not did not do this. He declined. He wanted to have a screening of it with Travolta in character. That's kind of a narcissistic. It's a weird fucking request. Especially if he ended up inviting Monica Lewinsky or Jennifer Flowers to it or something like that. <laughs> that might have that might have been a little too much. But that's so, at least a good one where he he gets in does he get he gets indicted in the film or not? No, they never okay. never ever spoke about indictments or anything mm-hmm. else. It mm-hmm. was just the worry about losing the election. Uh-huh. That's why they were worried about it coming out that the girl was pregnant. Um a lot of the movie was just about the supporting cast within a presidential race, like, you know, the press secretary, the fixer, Kathy Bates, um, the campaign manager, the, and, and their relationships and like how fed up they get with kind of the things that I talk about where, you know, you give a great stump speech, but you have no fucking idea how you're going to do any of that stuff. The people that are telling you to say this, and then, you know, several people with, with within your staff are saying, you you shouldn't say that, you shouldn't do that. Um, so there's, there's some infighting, and that kind of stuff. So... It's a good good movie. Okay. It's an okay movie. Bill Clinton liked it. Bill Clinton liked it. It was an entertaining movie for sure. Um, what's her name? Maura Tierney from News Radio was in it. Emma Bill, Thompson. Emma Thompson's in it. She's a great actress. She was the one that was the wife. Okay. Well, yeah, she's too good looking to be compared to Hillary Clinton. Not that Emma Thompson's really hot, but I just think that at that point in time they should have gone more uh well how did you put it during the last episode uh someone that might take a dive onto janet reno something something to that effect i can't remember exactly what the the yeah the phrasing I, was. i can't remember what i, I said just could either. never see em, emma thompson going not that there's anything wrong with that i just not not on the janet reno anyway yeah but you said that about hillary that you couldn't see Hillary going down on Janet because she's like a D minus, you know. Fat girls need love too. Yeah, that's was was Janet Reno fat? She was pretty big. She was uh, maybe not fat. Maybe she was big boned. <laughs> she was big boned. She was big, not boned. She had bone girth. <laughs> <laughs> Very girthy bones. So I didn't I didn't take it as literally like the the movies and stuff. Like there's a, I went in a bunch of different directions, but that's because that's that's what I but the first one that of course I went and watched just because I always love revisiting it is is JFK. Um back and to the left. Yeah, back. Yeah. That's and if you haven't seen that Seinfeld episode about uh what's his what the was Magic the, Loogie? Yeah, well it's the Magic Loogie, but who's the guy that played for the Mets that they were talking? Keith My, Hernandez. It was yeah, Keith Hernandez, Keith. yeah. Keith Hernandez, but uh, either way, um, it was. I, I thought about it at least in some instances. Um, 
as indi indictments in political environments um, and uh, also um, sort of like looking at the weird sort of uh, ways in which these actors in political spaces right now, whether it be uh, Donald Trump or um, the the son of Joe, um, the living son of Joe, both obviously we're not talking about Bo, but where um, there is this very peculiar extra legal environment. So, um, but JFK is is obviously uh, after after he die, dies. I mean the, the the film obviously you don't need a complete recap of of that space, but uh, they they charge uh, Bertrand. Uh, well, Clay Shaw, he, he goes by the alias Clay Bertrand, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, but after, like, my, my favorite scene in the whole movie, like, well, there are two scenes that I that I like a ton. One is, the well, the scenes that clip together where Donald Sutherland's talking to, um, uh, talking to uh, Jim Garrison, i.e. Uh, Kevin Costner, about the... Uh, what was going on in the background uh, that a person who was very highly ranked inside of the CIA uh, was seeing in that moment and how um, whether or not Garrison understood uh, the, the, the breadth or depth of what it was that he was getting involved in. I mean, on, on some level, obviously, the, the images that Oliver Stone was uh, bringing up suggested that to some degree he was, he was at least kind of... Uh, aware um i actually did some research on garrison briefly and he was a total whack job i mean he was like a conspiracy theorist to the to the nth degree like and he some one of the guys that he put on the stand um literally like undermined his whole position he, he never should have put this person on the stand uh it had to do with uh the fact that they were they were trying to do a hypnosis on this guy there was a suggestion that they were trying to do some like manicurian candidate stuff to get him to say certain things while he was on the stand um but back to the film and the portrayal of the concepts themselves when he goes over that uh that discussion i i love all the things that the lines that, that uh, donald sutherland puts together but in relation to the indictment um they're sort of like at the end of it and uh Sutherland says something to him about um, needing to go forward with the case, and Garrison admits in that moment, he says, we don't really have much of a case. And Donald Sutherland goes on and makes a huge, huge, huge point in this space. And I think this is true maybe to a much greater extent at the end of the 70, 60s and early part of the 70s where uh, Sutherland's character, Mr. X, says... Uh, whether you have a case or not, you have to take this to court now. You have to get some sort of light on it because that's the only way that you can get uh, an amount of momentum to where if you can get one person cornered, you create the possibility of uh, this person blowing the, uh, the lid on that, this one blowing on that. And then he says, then you have like a, like a set of dominoes, everything sort of like falling, falling uh, into place. Um, and of course, like Mr. X Sutherland's character knew in that moment that what he was hoping for, that's the best case scenario. But the most important thing is, is that Garrison, by taking it and, and, and charging uh, um, Bertrand uh, with the crime of uh, aiding and abetting in the conspiracy, uh, it would at least allow for the... Because everybody, he, they knew, everybody in the United States was going to look at what was happening in that trial. And that was not in a place where you could just click on fucking YouTube or... 
you know, the any any number of different online media sources, you had to watch the the, way, the trial the way it was presented. You had to watch the nightly news and the way that it was presented. You had to pick up the newspaper the next day and read the newspaper. And everybody was focusing on that, um, which is so much different than what it is that goes on today with regards to, I mean, we live in a, I mean, they say 24-hour media cycle. I don't even know. Like, it's like it's like a it's like a time tra- time transcendent media cycle where, like, when I see all this stuff coming up on MSNBC, I bet you diamonds to dollars that the uh, the cost for advertising over the course of the last since the indictment started to come through, the cost for advertising on MS- MSNBC has probably gone up a fair amount because people are starting to watch. You know MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, I mean, and I don't, I don't want to just put MSNBC in that box. But uh, what was going on during that JFK trial was not the same thing as what we're seeing in really real life right now. But it did give you kind of like a good Kodak moment of how to begin to think about uh, going after people in a political way uh, in the public's eye through through formal indictments. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, Mr. X, they never really said who he was specifically, but he was like a colonel or some shit in the army, right? That's what that's what it seemed or, to suggest. Colonel, I think Colonel is right. I think um, Colonel, and it wasn't, it was like army intelligence or yeah. something like yes. that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but what they never say is that, like they only give you so much so you can pull and pull and the investigators start to get excited because you know now this little lead led to this larger lead and and then just all of a sudden you you hit a dead end and so you gotta fucking go somewhere else and you start pulling again and so you end up with all of these fucking dead ends and some of them were literal dead ends i mean like where you know the assassin turned up dead um or the, the, the guy mafia tra- guy ended up the, dead the guy or, at the train station who made right. made a statement they they killed him the lady who said that she could make the link between uh, oswald and uh, ruby um that that she was like a she got beat up though, right? She got beat up the first time, but when the when the trial started to go into play, they killed her too. Okay. So. I was watching. Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with a presidential indictment, but mm-hmm. it kind of has to do with JFK. So I watched that movie Shooter again the other night. Yeah, that's um, a, the, you know the, the Marky scene, Mark and the Funky Bunch. The scene where he talks to that that guy is that the Tennessee guy. It's one of my favorite scenes ever. It's just awesome, dude. When he's like, "Those guys on the grassy knoll are buried out in Terralingua," and he goes, "Well, how do you know that?" And he goes, "Because still, still got, got the, the shovel." shovel. <laughs> I love that fucking line, it's, dude. It's one of my favorite. Like, it's one of those ones where you're like in the middle of a movie and all these things are happening, and then this guy just says something that you never expect anybody to ever see. It's like a total fucking smash right in the melon. Right. Um, JFK. I mean, it was a great movie. It was long as shit. And I think that's one of the reasons I appreciate DVDs now. Uh Because, like, I remember being in the theater thinking, God damn, I got to take a piss. But I don't want to, like, miss I didn't move. Yeah. And I saw that in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think all of us went. Weren't you I, with me and Aaron and Karina? And I think your dipshit brother was there. The older one, not the younger one. Yeah, my little brother didn't really hang out with us in 91. I don't know. I don't know. You know, but you you, you said a, an important thing. You said that they, they have all these hanging strings, right? And that they don't tie them up. Well, Oliver Stone made this revisit to the JFK, and he did it as a documentary last year or the year before that. I still haven't watched it. I need to watch it as much as I get into this shit. But uh, when he wrote it, when they originally wrote the screenplay and did the film, he read like every conspiracy theory and, you know, all these. And he tried to sort of like put all of those different things in play and never, never complete the space. I mean, there's no doubt that he clearly, he acknowledges a bias, whether he would admit it or not, towards being critical of the military industrial complex. You don't start a fucking film off with the Eisenhower, um, his exit, his exit uh, speech, where he he used the first reference at what everybody knows that he that was the first time military industrial complex was ever said, but uh, they did all these other things though to show you what was really happening in that environment. And I like I had just watched it when I watched it again this time. There was one thing that I I had keyed in a little bit on before, but I had never really looked at closely enough. But Michael Rooker, the guy that was in The Walking Dead, who plays Bill Broussard in the film one of the people who's working inside of the uh, the Louisiana District Attorney's office. Yeah. Um, like one thing that I, like I really am impressed, like if you go back and watch it, they were using Broussard's character as a way of trying to illustrate the ways in which FBI informants would be set inside of a specific environment and do certain things to cause disruption, to get people to go against each other, to get people to doubt themselves when they're getting close to certain things that they don't want to get get them close to and i'd seen him doing these things but i didn't realize to what extent like in the last scene where he goes and it's after he he does some sort of a media uh event with john larquette john larquette does the uh interview on tv i can't remember what it was for one like a tonight show kind of thing and uh there, he's talking about all these things. He shows the pictures of the bums that they took down to the that really look like like ma- mafia hit guys, you know. But uh, they somebody in Larry Cat's ear says, "You can't show those on TV." He says, "What do you mean I can't? It's part of my it's part of my case. I can do whatever I want." And he says, "No, we're going to a commercial, right?" So, um, like in the back of Costner's character's mind is how much he is pissed off the federal government at this point. And he's at the airport, and he had. Broussard had left the meeting pissed off uh, a couple of days before that. And uh, he, Costner's character doubles down on the fact that I don't want us fighting with each other. I'm going to bring Broussard back as soon as he comes back. And one of the, uh, the bigger fella, and I can't remember what his name is, but he. He says, I can't work with him anymore. He's causing disruption in here. He looks like a fucking FBI plant to me in everything that he does. And Costner naively says, I, I don't give a fuck. He's going he's gonna to be a part of our, our, our getting the case together. And while he's in the airport in that moment, uh, Broussard shows up out of nowhere and says, I, I came here because I heard from somebody, one of my contacts inside the FBI that somebody's going to try to put a hit on you tonight. And Costner yells at him. He says, I told you, I don't want to hear about any of that shit ever. And uh, when he walks out, 
he sees all these different police officers and he, he can tell like he's hyper under surveillance in that moment and the reality of the situation comes to his head to his head to where he's like you know and then he goes home bobby kennedy gets shot right after that um and then he says to sissy spacek his wife he says i'm really fucking scared now which because i up until that the broussard thing in the airport with all those people just following everything that he did and then realizing that they were not going to let Bobby do anything any more than they were going to let uh, John, whatever that was, that uh, I think the way that Stone did that in that film was, was fucking sharper than I've seen in other films that have tried to deal with stuff like uh, infighting and, you know, plants and look at Malcolm X. They could have done better. Spike Lee could have done better with it in, in that film. Uh, the Judas, the Judas and the, uh, the one about Fred Hampton, like uh, they, they, they sort of touch on some things, but like if you want to understand how you, when you're going up against the systems of power, how uh, intelligence agencies are going to act in relation to you is an important question that you have to go into, think about, meditate on. Well, again, I don't think they're ever going to purposely show you that stuff over and over again because they want the intelligence community whether that be you know the fbi or the cia contract positions whatever you it's supposed to be this this shining hero image you guys are you know there's a fucking the stars and stripes are waving behind their head as they look off into the sunset and you know everything is going to be all right so if they show some shit where they're infiltrating just normal law-abiding citizens, I'm not talking about the fucking guys that did the Boston bombing or even that fucking stupid skinhead that did the shooting down in Phoenix in, what was it, 2013 or some shit? I, I don't even remember which one you're talking That's or, That's a tragedy. <laughs> but, I mean... Yeah. They're not going to show them infiltrating a law-abiding organization, person's family, whatever, because then people may start to think, okay, there could be, you know, an invasion of privacy here. Maybe there's some fucking constitutional issues with what our government is doing. And those issues are here, now. Yeah, legitimate, real, yeah. Um, but... Was clear and present. They don't want to portray that. Well, I think in 91, I think that you were able to get away with it a little bit better back then. I think that now, when you look at it, there was a, in uh, Robinson's book the on uh, um, the global... Um, I can't remember the. It's the. the oh, that's the one that you were reading from when we did the prison episode. Right? Yeah, yeah. The war. It, it's yeah. about the war. war like the fact that uh, um, com, uh, contradictions in capitalism le lead to utilizing um, the military-industrial complex as a way of making money. Like it's it's one of those. Uh, you use that as a way of creating value, um, but. Uh, in that book, he talked a ton, like he all these different, like the new Top Gun movie, like anything. And then like the new Top Gun movie, you would expect consultation with regards to military and possibly intelligence. But something as simple as like 
the new Barbie movie, but everything that goes now, as much as we talk shit about China and us changing our movies so that we can make sure to penetrate the Chinese market, like there is an open door communication between the the film industry, the the TV industry, the streaming industries, and and these various different mechanisms of of intelligence of power like uh, i i think that you could like i said i think you could get away with it easier in 91 i don't think you get away with it perfectly but i think that if you tried to do and say what he was saying in 91 in a movie made in 2023 wouldn't happen it, huh? yeah you'd get a lot of pushback i think it would be very difficult you'd have to do it through an independent uh, financiers <laughs> you might have to do it in a different jurisdiction you know well oliver stone's got plenty of money he can self-finance his own movies now or at least you know get it up off the ground well the the nuclear one that that we talked about before that he just did he had to self-finance that whole thing because nobody would go in on it with him so fucked up you know you said something about time and and the news cycle um which again these these presidential media things were were difficult to find but I wanted to talk about this because, one, it's one of my favorite shows ever, at least season one. But, two, it illustrates government corruption, at least at the state level. Um, and how no indictments ever really came around. Because this is not just about when they do. It's about when they don't. Right. Too. Yeah. So... True Detective Season 1. So fucking awesome. Um, and the reason Time reminded me about it, if you guys haven't seen it, is because they keep referencing time and, and things repeating itself. And time what is, is time? a flat circle. Time's a flat and, circle. You know, I'm going to see you again soon. Um, or and this is going to happen over and over and again. And we're really hoping that the, the fourth season, which is coming out soon and it appears that they might have a tattoo or a uh, was it a tattoo it was, or it was graffiti graffiti yeah i it think looks it looks like blood looks that, like the time is a flat circle thing yeah, again we're, yeah. we're hoping for a little bit of we're, we're hoping judy Fo jody foster's is crazy as uh rustin cole yeah it, i think it's gonna be awesome but that's my hope my dream my wish um Sorry, and it, so no no <laughs> it's fine so i i think it was i don't know like episode three or four it was fairly early um this guy tuttle comes in reverend tuttle comes into the police station and he's like you know people are taking care and they're locking their doors and everything else and he's trying to Really, what he's trying to do is gauge how much the cops know. Um, but he's also trying to steer things in a certain direction. He's saying, you know, they're they're coming up with a uh, Christianity hate that 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 these crimes are are based on people hating Christians. Well, this and is, they, they, devil, devil worship. worship. Yeah, and, and this is when like he brought that. those other two guys in. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, it turns out, because Matthew McConaughey's character didn't know who Reverend Tuttle was, and he was pissed off, and he's cussing, and all the cops say, "What, you know, are you a fucking retard? What, what's the deal? Don't you know who that was? And he goes, no, who the fuck is he? And it 
turns out that Reverend Tuttle was a cousin of the governor who was also a Tuttle. And so they were steering this, the Louisiana State Police from, you know, the, the highest levels of state government all the way down. And these guys, this group of fucking, I don't know, that they remind me of not what they were doing to girls, but the masks and shit they were wearing reminded me of old school Mardi Gras, like true fucking Cajun type shit. Um, not the, the beads and tits and, you know, purple and yellow LSU go, go, go. But like, you know, I gotta tell you, I talked to Jarrett earlier today. I think if he heard you say that, I think that he might pistol whip you (laughs) for talking shit about his, uh, cousins. Dude, have you been to Louisiana? Yeah. I have, but I haven't had anybody talk like that. The guy on the Cajun cooking show, nice, but I ain't. dude, anywhere outside of fucking like New Orleans or Shreveport, they're they all talk like that. Um, well, I not think all. that's a very hateful comment. I it's think not hateful. The, I I really appreciate it. I think that, dude, I fucking. I loved Louisiana. I mean, it's fucking hot and humid. They make good food, though, dude. It's, well, it depends on how fucking adventurous you are. Um, but, yeah, I, I but I'm a food guy. I just want a crawfish boil. Crawfish etouffee. It's one of my favorites. I even like fucking gator tail, dude. Frog's legs, not a huge fan of. Can't be a lot of meat in frog's legs. Eh. They say it tastes like chicken. I didn't think it tasted like chicken, but whatever. So you were talking about... Yeah, so True Detective, you know, the these guys are basically taking... It seemed like the majority of them were girls, but some of them were, were also boys, but they're molesting these kids at younger ages. They're raping and, and killing girls at older ages, which is how... You know, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey get involved in this whole thing. Um, so they they solve the case, or so it seems. Um, but then, what is it, 20 years later? No, not 20 that. years. 10 years yeah, later? Yeah, about 10. I think it was about 10. 10 years later, it swings back around, and they figure out that, you know, because of all of these fucking hurricanes, that they've been doing it up and down the coast for ever um and they did finally figure out that you know the governor was involved and and reverend tuttle and reverend tuttle had all of these schools that were all over the coast that were being paid for by the state because they were through, basically through using like a voucher system yeah, there were grants that were given to the state so that they could create these uh, religious uh elementary schools yeah so i mean again nobody was ever indicted well another point that they make about the difficulty in trying to bring out bring out just bring justice against people who are in sitting positions of power 
when that guy became the the one that knew about the baseball daughter, the baseball player's daughter. Yeah, the only one that can arrest a sheriff is the, is gov- the governor. Is the governor, which right. it's, I mean, there's no that which means that there's no indictability from a regular person, which means that a sheriff of a parish or a city or whatever the fuck you want to call it can they can eventually function above the law until but if they if they're in cahoots with the, the governor you, you you basically your position would be so precarious you'd need somebody federal to come in to do anything at that point in time right which a lot of times again to make a splash on the front page whatever the department of justice will go in and say okay were your civil rights violated? Are these cops doing anything wrong? Did Is they go this across prison doing anything did wrong? Did they go Whatever. across state lines? Who are you talking about? Fashili? Manili. <laughs> um, the Department of Justice yeah. and the Attorney General. Because if somebody goes across state lines, then there's there there it, it it widens the. No, they have the authority to do it basically anywhere. Now, a lot of states or cities would fight and say, you can't do that because we're working under our state constitution. But the Attorney General and the Department of Justice has gone into different local or state, call them precincts, jurisdictions. I understand that, but when you move across, it it makes it easier for federal actors to, to, to... to charge certain spaces. Yeah, but if you're a dirty cop and you're doing something wrong, if you're violating someone's civil rights or whatever, you're not going to go across the state line. I'm just saying, but yes, they... they that is a possibility. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, sorry, you threw me off. Sorry, little buddy. I didn't mean to mess with your line of thought. Whatever. Dick, you do it all the time. Um... So whatever, Mr. X, I, again, I don't recommend seasons two or three of true detective. Uh, I heard three was okay. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. It's all right. I like the main character. I like him as a, I like him as an actor. I've seen him in a few things that I thought were pretty good. It's definitely not as good as one. And dude, one is like comparing it to one is like, it's a fucking Holy grail, dude. The corruption piece is really big in season two, but it just, it wasn't, it wasn't the same and it was more corrupt cops not an entire state so since you had uh, vince vaughn and rachel mcadams in it was it just like wedding crashes part two or something yeah yeah except <laughs> with uh colin farrell um he's the new owen wilson but uh season four i think is gonna be good it and it's in dark. alaska it, it, well, well it looks, literally yeah, it, it, yeah. It, yes it is it's night all night but it looks freaky. Like when I watched the, I actually watched the uh, trailer like four or five times. And I think I was more scared the fifth time than I was the first. It's kind of creepy. It is. It is. But it's, again, coming out soon. So catch up on at least season one because season four might be, they might actually be circling back to that. Like everybody in Louisiana moved up to alaska and to be clear uh cole and uh what's woody harrelson's hauser what the fuck is his last name damn it marty marty what it's not hauser no matter what marty and rustin is maybe the best fucking player or uh 
character development in it's one of my favorite character development character developments in anything that I've ever watched. The dialogue is fucking rad. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that kind of talks about like I guess you could think of a governor as a president just of a much smaller country. <laughs> well, Louisiana would be like an average sized country like It'd be like it'd be like Germany, right, or something like that. It, it, it might be like a, a larger a larger shoe than the boot of Italy, but. Uh, what what else do you have trying, on your list? He's trying to change the subject because he thinks that I'm saying some stupid shit right now. I one that I always like is uh, is is Amistad, and I that one again. It's because of like weird legal constructs and jurisdictional problems, like. At the beginning of the movie, I remember so like one thing that I think is always interesting. Amistad obviously is it's a uh, it's about uh, the slave trade. It's about a group of Africans who are brought over, um, and it become illegal in the United States to bring slaves from Africa. They had to either come from the West Indies or they had to come from the 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 United States proper. You were not allowed to bring them. So like the space where the the clear moral dilemma um the quagmire starts to come to the surface so the first step that they take or one of the early steps that they take rather i don't want to say first because i don't know anything about legal construction in the 1840s or 1850s in relation to uh, slaves in the united states but it was clear that like we were foreclosing on the space where um you could get slaves from so what would happen is they would bring the slaves over they'd dock them in say havana or something like that they would give them Spanish surnames and Spanish names and say that they were bred on plantations down in, in Cuba, and they would create uh, like a, uh, the lists what am, uh, for a ship, uh, a manifest, like a ship manifest that, that identified them as property coming from Havana to the United States. Um, while the Amistad is coming here, after they have gone through Havana, um, they have... Uh, an insurrection they revolt uh, they kill all but two of their captors because they don't know how to uh sail a boat like that or i mean uh you know big ass sailed boat um and uh through row some, bitches row <laughs> through some uh tricky ch chicanery they end up taking it to the united states anyway um they get uh taken into possession uh, by some actors in the United States government, uh, they they tried to take uh, salvage rights over them. Uh, the Spanish uh, people that own the Amistad try to say that they have a, a right to them. Um, there's all kinds of bullshit about who it is that has a right to them. But the big question at the bottom of what it is that's happening is, did they really come from Havana or did they come from Africa? So uh, there are all these uh, discussions that go on where um, there's an individual, there's a judge that's in it and uh, uh, he's going to rule on behalf of them being Africans. They move um, him out and they put a younger Catholic judge in who is concerned about people finding out that he's Catholic because it's a very Protestant nation at this time. Uh, Catholics are looked at, looked down on, just a lot like Irish were looked down on during that sort of time period. Still to this day, I'm not sure Catholicism is a big hit, but that that's irrelevant right now. <laughs> that, 
You're a hell of a guy, Brian. I don't care what I, I don't care what I say about you all the time. So, but again, like at the beginning of the 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 movie, though, there's this really funny uh, conversation that goes on between Matthew. So we got Matthew McConaughey again. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is one of the great courtroom guys. He did *The Time to Kill*. He was great in that as a lawyer. Um, and of course, in this in this one where he's dressed up like a goofy old white guy from fucking the 1850s powdered wig and all yeah he's sitting there he's talking so morgan morgan freeman is uh an abolitionist um and uh i can't remember the name of the guy he's the guy who was uh, uh the math teacher of uh uh matt damon and goodwill hunting um the math teacher yeah the one who gets he so in goodwill hunting when he's doing the math on the board while he's uh Oh yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about, and he, I don't know his name either. Yeah, I, it's he, he was also in fucking the Thor movies. You, I, you, I know who you know who I'm talking about, motherfuckers. I'm not gonna go look for it right now, but these three people are for the abolition of slavery, and they have the initial hearing, and all of those various different actors who are trying to the salvage rights, the Spanish guys, um, the Queen uh, Queen Isabel of Spain is making a a claim on on the uh the slaves um mcconaughey says we're going to go eat and we're going to talk about it and he's there 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 is an argument that the goodwill hunting guy makes and he says we need to fight this war on the grounds of righteousness it's it's morally improper to um to maintain slavery right and uh matthew mcconaughey kind of like laughs at him because under martin van buren, van buren during this time period you were not going to be able to make a moral argument and persuade uh, john calhoun to stop owning slaves you're going to have to do something uh, different to save these particular slaves lives you need to show what they are or what they aren't and what matthew mcconaughey suggests in this moment is this is a pure property case did they come from Africa or did they not? And they say, well, we believe that they, they didn't come from, that they did come from Africa. He says, well, this is a property case then. They can't be anybody's property. If they're born in Cuba, all kinds of people are going to have a legal position in relation to who it is that has, has these individuals. And uh, again, that guy gets into McConaughey's face and says, we need to win this on the grounds of righteousness, like Jesus and all that shit. And McConaughey's like, you're a dumb shit. You need to be practical. Otherwise, these guys are going to get hanged for what it was that they did to these people. And throughout this space, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, I maybe need to watch that movie it, again. It's, it's good. but uh, um, Stellan Skarsgård is his name. Stellan Skarsgård. And, and then what's, uh, um, I'm, I'm brain farting again, uh, Anthony Hopkins plays John Quincy Adams in the film. And they keep trying to petition uh, uh, Morgan Freeman, who is, the like I said, is an abolition, abolitionist. He keeps trying to appeal to... Uh, John Quincy Adams' good nature, because they know that it's essentially uh, Forsyth, the Secretary of State, and John, and Martin Van Buren that are like pulling the strings from behind the scenes to make sure that these, uh, not African, but from according to them, according to their legal argument, that they're from Havana, therefore their their property, and this has to be uh, with an exclamation point made clear, and we're not going to let these these guys go because the, the moment you start letting them go 
you're going to open up the doors to other people thinking that that could possibly happen for them as well. Um, and finally, uh, it, towards the end, when uh, they they win, they win in a circuit. Um, then it gets appealed to the Supreme Court, and McConaughey's her- character has to go back to Sinke, who is the main uh, spokesman for these individuals from Africa. Uh, he's part of the Mende tribe. They find uh, somebody who can act as an uh, intermediary um, between um, them, uh, and it, it just happens to be Chawetel, the guy that died of cancer that was the Black Panther. He's their, he's their uh, translator in the movie. Um, it was a long time ago. It was when he was a kid, right? But uh, they get to the end where um, Sinke and John. You Quincy mean Adams, the Marvel Black Panther? Yeah. Not... Yeah, I mean the Marvel. Okay. Yeah, I mean the Marvel Black Panther. Um, so uh, finally, uh, McConaughey sends him a letter, and he appeals. It's like this thing about Cicero and this and that. Uh, the the way that this is is gonna get worked out is between. Uh, the acts of two men and he says it's the guy from Africa Sinke and it's you because you're in a position of power it's where you can sort of counterbalance that what Forsyth and Van Buren are doing on the other side um, and finally he gets he has this you know this uh, diatribe that he gives before the Supreme Court uh, and it's a it's a total liberal feel-good movie I mean, it really is. It's kind of obnoxious on a lot of levels. But there's an argument that he makes at the end where he says, you know, maybe we need to ask our... Because he says, Sinke, when he gets in trouble, he asks his elders for help. He reaches back into history and, you know, with their spirits. And they do their, you know, their tribal acts to sort of connect to those. And he, uh, John Quincy Adams makes a suggestion that we, we fail to do this in an honest way. We do it in a way where we say make America great again, but we're going to do whatever it was that the Constitution says based on what it is that we think it was interpreted as in 1776, as opposed to channeling the wisdom and the thought and the ability to be self-critical and to grow and to develop and to change, which is what John Quincy Adams is sort of posing in this moment, which, again, like, I don't believe in progress in straight lines, but I do. it is appealing to me when a person makes an argument and says... If we look at what their intentions were during that time period and we understand that the world is not static, that it does change, you know, you tap into their spirit and you fucking grow. You know, you don't uh, stand, have a standoff between one, one and the other until, uh, until a gun fires and then everything goes. Then we're right back in Civil War, you know, Civil War number two. So, but I do like it. It's a, the, the, the jurisdiction uh, discussions are interesting. Um, and of course, they 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 find that they end up going and blowing up the fort, right? Because at the yeah yeah uh-huh. okay, that's what I thought. Because the uh, uh, the guys that were uh, the Queen Isabella of Spain, she said uh, there is no there is no fort, and then the, that British soldier at the end says send a letter to Queen Elizabeth or Queen Isabella. Yes, there is not a fort because we just fucking leveled it to the ground. That part always bothered me, and you know I know. I know bad shit has happened globally, you know, since the beginning of time, but just the the visualization of that where, you know, and I'm not sure that it would, would have made me any happier with sheep, but I mean, the way that they were treating these people like they were cattle and, and they were all in 
you know, these cages and they were being led up and down ramps and and chained chained together through multiple just so fucked dude i i just don't understand where it is in our brains that this human condition where we think well fuck it i can go ahead and make that fucking person do whatever i want them to and if they don't, I will beat them. I will starve them. And if they still don't, then I will fucking kill them. And then at least by killing them, it's a warning to all the other motherfuckers. So they know that I will beat them, starve them, and kill them. It's like it's like a Negan moment, kind of. It's just yeah. so fucked, dude. There, there was one when they were... Because they were trying to paint the picture of how brutal it was on the, the ship when they were brought over from Africa when they left the, that, the island that you were talking about. And they're talking to uh, the British captain, who, incidentally, is the one that they use at the end that writes the letter. And uh, he's uh, testifying to the... To the court and he's he starts talking about an instance where they didn't plan plan properly for enough food so say you have 160 you know africans on board that, that are going to be turned into slaves and you you thought that you had enough food but you you, you realize you only have enough for say 110 so you're gonna have to get rid of 70 of them right so like uh he makes this uh, comment about how in instances like that they literally just throw them overboard and a lot of times they'll be chained together and they'll they'll put a giant fucking boulder at the end of it so when they fucking go down it just they all get drowned like instantly and uh, John Forsyth who is the uh, acting attorney on behalf of the government and Isabella whoever all those different interests at that point uh, says I don't I don't understand I don't see anywhere oh it wasn't Forsyth it was this other guy who's just a total prick uh, lawyers are pricks anyway sorry I, I you know some of you are okay but 99.99% of you are total fucking pricks what's the what 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 did what did Shakespeare say what what's 10,000 lawyers at the bottom of the sea a good start um, that would be ironic in this context considering the way that I'm telling the story <laughs> but uh, <laughs> having said that um, he says, he says, this is hardly a lucrative business. You know, I don't see anything that says that they threw 70 slaves overboard. And, uh, he says, so tell me where you see it. He says, I see it in the poundage. And he's like, uh, that doesn't mean that they're, that it's the, the slaves that are, that are, that are going overboard. Uh, perhaps I need a cool and parchment and a little bit more, uh, imagination to believe what whatever that poundage is and he says well what do you suppose it was you think they threw over a you know a couple of masts and sails you know i mean it's it's you know it's it's an unreasonable act but for people that are totally insane and they're you know trying to make money out of everything and everybody it is a reasonable act for those people and it is like i've heard stories about people that have gone back because the 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 slave fortress is still there like the 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 remnants of it and people go there and they fucking go through it like in uh, like i can't even imagine like you think the ghost of mississippi are bad like that that is a place that uh 
I don't know. If, if you could hear the walls talk, you'd probably want to fucking stab yourself in the fucking temple because uh, the residual vibrations from the nightmares that went on in that place would uh, would be deafening, I would think. It would have to be... I mean, for all of those people... And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, slaves, um, but like... Native Americans when we kidnapped them and took them to boarding schools or, or made them slaves in boarding schools after you know, we, cause we did that combination. Well, you can't be a savage and a slave, so we're going to educate you and make you work. In after we systematically eliminated the rest of their tribe. But just imagine like, cause they were having that hard time in Amistad too, where these guys are sitting there and they don't, they don't fucking understand what anybody else is saying. So all of these people are talking about them and they have no fucking idea what they're saying or anything else. So I, that, that would be fucking scary in the courtroom, but it would especially be scary if you're in some fucking dark, dank hole, you know, chained up, and you've seen all your friends leave and never come back and you hear all these fucking white people either speaking spanish or fucking french or portuguese yeah, whatever. or whatever yeah, it was that you don't understand no matter yeah. which one it is yeah that's a fucking it's a fucking nightmare it's a fucking nightmare like i <clears throat> I don't know. We, you know, it's not. Yeah, I, I always like, but I mean, and it was. I, I'm sure that like they were over romanticizing John Quincy Adams, and it was clearly another like white savior movie, you know. But, um, I like I like looking at like if you like changing law positions because it is one of those things that like uh, laws as much bullshit as they are, they're sort of like a rubber stamp about the way that we think about concepts like justice in a concrete way and that was clearly a moment where we had quite a bit more i i don't i i i wish there was some more john brown revolt kind of things you know sometimes i think that was a good choice mm-hmm. i mean as far as you know your your movie mm-hmm. um or not or a movie you said you wish there were some more john brown moments god i wish i could remember the name of that show um, I think it was a show on Showtime, and was it called the F- Free State? Yeah. But it was about the abolitionists. It was a it was a movie about John Brown. I thought it was it just a movie. I thought there was a fucking series on Showtime. Well, there was one where again Matthew McConaughey played the John Brown character, and they fucking went out and revolted, man. Let's let's see. What'd you say? The fr- Free State. Yeah, I thought that's what... But anyway, yeah, so, I mean, again, I said it several episodes ago where, you know, sometimes if the bully just keeps bullying you, you you can't really talk to him, especially if you don't speak the fucking language. But the bully keeps bullying, bullying, bullying. At some point, in order to get them to stop, you just got to break their fucking nose. And I think that, um, you know, that's what the guys on Amistad did or in the Amistad movie, depending on your outlook. And, um, I think it's just a movie. It's called free state of Jones. Okay. 
And again, it's Matthew Matthew McConaughey. And I've, I haven't seen it. I get, sometimes I get, like, the Hollywood side of these things kind of gets under my skin. So, All right. So, ah, here's one. Doesn't have anything to do with slavery, but... Wow. We, can, we can make a segue. And technically, this one... The president was never indicted either, but it does go to show corruption from the highest office in the country. So it's called Absolute Power. Uh, it's Clint Eastwood okay, movie. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Gene Hackman. Um, uh, Scott Glenn. And it was loaded, huh? Um, fuck. There. What's her name? Um. Uh, shit. Anyway, so Clint Eastwood. Laura Lenny. Laura Lenny is the daughter of Clint Eastwood. Uh, Clint Eastwood is a burglar, and he goes to rob this super duper fucking waspy elite rich dude um, while he's supposed to be in the Bahamas. Good on him. Uh, it turns out that his young trophy wife is, she didn't take the trip to the Bahamas, so she's still at home. Oops. Well, while Clint Eastwood is in the, the safe, which is this huge fucking room, uh, he's clearing everything out. The girl comes in and she's fucking around with some guy and the guy starts to play a little rough. Um, she says no. And he keeps going. Uh, she cuts him with a letter opener and he flips out, punches her backhands or something. And then maybe that's when she cuts him, but either way he screams and then two guys with guns come in and fucking shoot her. Well, it turns out he's the president of the United States. So he was fucking the wife of that super rich guy. And the super rich guy, it turned out, was the one that got him elected to all of these different political positions throughout his career. Um the reason Clint Eastwood could see all of this while he was in the safe was because the super rich guy was also super old and a cuckold. So he would sit in the closet and watch watch his wife wife bang other guys, but not the president. He had no idea that she was banging the president. Um, That's why she waited till he was in the Bahamas to do that. Um, so she knew that he like it was. This was a thing that they had communicated. Well, he knew that she fucked other guys because he would watch. So she didn't know she was putting on a show most of the time ever. You you lost me. What the fuck are you talking about? There are instances where. Yeah, yeah, Both yeah. Parties, no. The the two married people had an agreement. Yeah, where he yes. would watch, she and would she fuck. Would fuck. Okay, just not the president. Not, yeah, okay. 
Which was Gene Hackman. So she knew she was putting on a show. Yeah. That's the cuckold part. Carry on. Yeah, I get it, <laughs> motherfucker. You can be a cuckold without... without you can be an un... Uh, <clears throat> an unwitting yes okay. yes it doesn't it doesn't have to be i mean we can get into these definitions and and if anybody wants to uh uh comment on whether or not that actually qualifies for cuckolding you can text us or email us and we would be happy to hear from you so clint eastwood is gonna fucking bolt because he figures out who it is and the fucking secret service chased him out of the property and so he's he goes and he's getting fake papers and everything else and then he figures out fuck this guy he's a coward i'm not going to bolt and he starts fucking with the president and he sends him a letter and pictures but the president never sees him the chief of staff takes them and she's ordering the fucking secret service to find this guy. Um, it's a good movie. The really funny part is that the super rich guy gets back from the Bahamas. He's all upset. So he puts a hit out on Clint Eastwood. What? Clint Eastwood finally ends up talking to the guy and saying, look, I put all your shit back. I didn't steal anything. I want this guy to pay. It wasn't me. It was the it was the president, little buddy. And he goes, you know who it was. When you close your eyes at night, you know who it was. And he looks over, and there's a picture of the White House. Um, so since that super powerful rich guy had gotten him elected and all of that stuff he could go through without anybody even blinking like you know he'd just walk in and say is he in yeah he's go ahead and go on in mm -hmm. so the old guy ended up fucking beating him with his cane at the end of the movie and killed the, the president yeah so there was some justice there um i think that it's kind of funny to think that one the president was getting away with murder except a burglar stopped him and then two the super rich guy is probably going to get away with murder because of the fact that he was super rich and got him the job to begin with so why why i, I why talked about that movie just because of the elitist thing why huh? why cane I don't know, because he was fucking old and he had to walk with a cane. I, I, I like the whole idea of it, but... But he, not the cane. He should have he had, like, one of them stupid British, you know, like 007. I, I, got, I got a cane with a gun inside of it and... Uh, uh, well, he had the money and the resources. He could have just fucking assassinated them. And a silencer. Or the... Um, and then he could say something stupid, like after he holds up the cane to shoot him, you know, I'm raising cane, something, something, something bad. You know, that would have been better than beating, beating him to death with a cane. Well, they didn't show the beating. Um, not that that makes a difference. But I, anyway, I think I need to go roll a cigarette. Would you like to go and have a, a piece of tobacco? Yeah, I, I would definitely like to smoke um, and go outside. So we are at. 
an hour and 15 minutes. We've got another half coming up soon because I've got a whole bunch more shit I need to talk about, and yeah. I think you got a couple on I, your list, I, right? I definitely have to talk about that nasty propaganda movie that I watched earlier today. That just makes me laugh. There's some things that happen in it that just, like, sometimes, like, in my mind, I'm like, who the fuck? thinks of this shit how, and how they construct knowledge and what becomes real and just the whole fantasy of uh and delusion of like maybe what our political environment like really engenders right now like uh, people want to be like trump because trump has a power that they're never going to have but they can have some sort of cathartic or maybe vice versa but we'll get into that in the second half short bus debate club at yahoo.com 720334 roll all right, we will talk to you soon. Roll, bitches.